Welcome to Tigers SRD with two hosts who always start on second, Chris Brown, never-ending parade of mediocrity, and Roger Castillo. Oh, Roger, live in Detroit. Welcome to another episode of Tigers SRD here at MotorCityBangles.com and the Tigers Mind Report Network. I'm Rogelio Castillo, and I'm Chris Brown. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, iHeartMedia, Stitcher, and Google Play. Don't forget to leave us a review whether it's good or bad or indifferent, or you want to tell me that somebody is down at a rehab start in Toledo, that's fine too. Austin Romine. Thank you, Eddie. I appreciate that. I, well, whoever you want to let the fans know and appreciate Eddie's uh, attention to detail. And that's, that's definitely a trait that I really appreciate about him, but for real, well, instead of, he wasn't on the roster. He was actually there. Okay. Yeah, he was actually there. Yeah. So a couple of things I want to announce real quick before we move on. Of course, if you wanted to join our Patreon uh, we got some exclusive content coming out with Chip and Jake that's going to be dropping here tomorrow. So if you want some exclusive minor league content, the great James Chipman joins us, and he is, the, of course, the director of scouting over at Prospects Live. And, Jake, they break down some Tiger prospects. So go to patreon.com forward slash Tigers SRD and join either tier, and we'll put it out there for you. And we're going to have a third co-host for here on out for a little bit, only because I know myself – some self-reflection, gentlemen, I've had recently that uh, with being the co-editor over at Motor City Bengals among the minor league seasons about to start in less than a month, all this stuff is going on, and there's just so much one man can do. And in order for me to achieve my losing weight goal, in order to be on optimal performance, I'm getting Uper into the mix. Uper is going to be joining us from here on out unless he has something else going on. I know he's a, he's a busy man himself, but a uh, Uper is going to be helping us out being a third co-host here as we move up to two shows a week. Uper, welcome to the mix, man. Thank you very much. I'm ready to be the rusty Koontz of this podcast, man. <laughs> <laughs> I am ready. I was going to say, I was waiting for a Pat Sheridan reference possibly, but uh, <laughs> no, that, that rusty Koontz is even better. And uh, yeah, it, it's just going to be nice because just, I like, I know I remember last year, even without like uh, or 2019, experienced some sort of former burnout towards the end because it was, I was, I mean, I was like, I'm going to Tigers games this year to do the minor league stuff. So definitely needed the help. And then Marty will be sending over some fancy baseball tips from here and here and there. So that's going to be something that's going to be inserted in the podcast as well. So for you fancy people out there? Yeah, definitely. It's going to be a, a good thing. So let's get started. Let's go look at the recap of the Tiger series. The Akil Badu was greeted by mother. Erica Badu, the queen, who did a nice little retweet there, and she kind of uh, it, was, it was nice to her to acknowledge that. Um, Chris, it was just one of those things where you, when I saw that tweet, I was just like, I wonder if she, what she was, if she had, if she was just, if she actually watched it or if she was just like acknowledging it. I bet you anything that Akil Badu's parents are a hundred times more excited about that than he is. <laughs> As a twenty-two-year-old, he probably did, like you remember when I was. I wanted to write the uh, the piece, you know, what to do about Akil Badu. I ended up writing that, but I wanted to put You Better Call Tyrone in there, which was a very obscure <laughs> reference, apparently. I, it was big for me and you, Raj, because, yeah. you know, urban radio all over the place in like 96, 98 or whatever. But, uh, but yeah, so, I don't know. These kids, they, they don't know anything about the Erica Badu. But, uh, no, that's very cool. It's it's I don't know how she found out, but that's, uh, you know, it's fun to get any attention as a Tigers player. Yeah, bring up and and, and you yeah, right. The, that reference would be obscured for a lot of people right now because I I even mentioned it. I asked my son, I'm like, you ever heard of uh, Erica Badu? And he looked at me all weird. But no, but in terms of a series too, the, he, you know, you one of the things that I wanted to ask you about was is that in terms of the expectations for him going forward, he got moved up in the order on Wednesday and still showed off a gun and he had the assist. And then he had, it was just one of those things where the, the Holy, you know, put the crown on or whatever yeah. terminology Matt Shepard used, which anyway, well. um, <laughs> weird terminology, but it, 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 his approach at the plate, it just really, it just seems like it's an advanced approach. And honestly, what, what were your impressions so far? Well, I'll tell you back when they drafted him, uh, I was totally fine with it because of the approach, uh, what the numbers are telling us. Uh, because when you're looking at a Rule 5 guy, you're not going to find, you know, a, a perfect specimen very often, right? 
Um, so one of the tools that we have there, we know um, by everything you read that he's very athletic and a good outfielder. We know that he drew a lot of walks and had some kind of patient approach at the plate. So now you got two things to build on. So as he matures, what's he going to bring to the table from there? Uh, you know, now he's showing a little bit of power. So now you got a patient approach. You got a good outfielder with a little bit of power. Now you got a ball player. So um, that's pretty exciting. You know, in terms of expectations for going forward, I would say don't have any. Um, you know, if he ends up hitting 212 this year, that wouldn't stun me. Uh, obviously, we'd love to see him, you know, keep producing and, uh, you know, be a, a real great Rule 5 story. But it's already a good Rule 5 story. It's been, it's, nobody expected this amount of fun. <laughs> you know, he put the fun in the first week of the season. That's fantastic. And, um, but I'm, I'm interested to watch more. Uh, his approach at the plate is very impressive. Uh, he doesn't look overmatched. Even some of the outs he makes, he's popped up once or twice, but uh, he looks like he belongs. You know, he's passing that test so far, which is pretty cool. And you, about you, Chris, I mean, I know that you've been, you and I have both been on that kind of skeptical, not skeptical, I, I, a realistic approach to it. I mean, it's just, it's, it's great to see. I mean, you, you call, you call your shot on our DMs, Brandon called the shot and I'm the only one going, Oh, maybe it would be nice to extra base it. And then it actually happened. But it, even that, that throw, that assist was, I mean, that kind of was a little eye popping for me. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't think he has like a cannon of an arm, but that was a great throw. It was perfect. Uh, perfect. Uh, you know, accuracy. So no, it's 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 remarkable. It's one of those crazy fun baseball things that it's so much fun while it's happening. It's important though for everyone to not get, you know, get too gassed up on it. We've seen, we were all there in 2006 when Chris Shelton couldn't stop hitting home runs and getting hits all over the place, and it was like, oh, he's the greatest hitter of all time. <laughs> and you know, it just these sorts of things happen. Now, to your point, what we know about Badu is the approach is is really advanced. Now, he hasn't walked yet in a major league game, throw that one on the bingo board. But uh, did I put that on there? I don't know if I did. Uh, yeah, you did. We, we got we to gotta create that. There's going to be a bingo board coming out here soon. Um, but uh, so, yeah, I, I think there will be times the pitchers will figure out his weaknesses. He'll have some weaknesses. We've already seen, you know, he, he tends to, I don't know what his approach is, but you often see the first breaking ball he gets, he kind of does a half cut at it It'll, if they throw it in the zone. It's like uh, he's not expecting it, and he kind of sees it too late and doesn't swing at it. But if they throw him another one, he'll start swinging at him. And uh, sometimes it hits him. I think, was it a breaking ball or a changeup that he had to hit the triple on against Maeda? I think it might have been a changeup. It looked like a changeup. Yeah, so, uh, I mean, his ability to adjust to off-speed is nice. Uh, we saw later they, they kept throwing sliders in under his hands. And that's something he's going to have to adjust to. And, and that's the main thing that we just need to wait for, to see how he adjusts, see how they attack him. But, yeah, I think Hench has done a good job so far of, of giving him limited action. And when he goes out there and produces, you go and play him again. You know, you, it's kind of the general idea that we're going to play you if you earn it. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's super fun. It's, it, it'll be, I think, probably one of the lasting memories of the season, no matter what, unless there's uh, somebody throws like three no-hitters in a row. <laughs> or continue to have like German Mercedes, who's just continued to like he had a yep. 480 foot bomb, yeah, in 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 that game today in the home opener against the Royals. I mean, that was just a, that was a bomb. So yeah, it's kind of fun. The two the two wildest kind of fairy tale stories right now are happening in the AL Central. Yeah, yeah. and considering too that Mercedes was he was playing in the Dominican, he was playing in the Dominican Winter League too as well, and he was. I mean, it was just you looked at him and I was. Eh, because he was catching, I think he caught a couple times, but just it's the second longest home run in Chicago um, behind Lewis Roberts' 487 foot drive, which was last year. So, I mean, just seeing all these Statcast records meet up, but uh, no, and we'll we'll get to we'll get to that too because I'm sure one of those guys, you know, a White Sox might come up in the good, bad, and ugly, or the inside numbers this week. But so yeah, the Tigers move on to Cleveland for a 10 game series. It starts off with. Julio Tehran pitching on set, uh, tomorrow, tomorrow evening, and then will be Scooble uh, against uh, TBA, and then or Urena versus same thing, your TBA. So or to be denounced, TBA. 
Or, no, I said yeah. that right. Okay, yeah, TBA I said yeah. that right. Yeah, no. Um, some other news too. Uh, Spencer Trumbull, who is currently on the injured list, threw a three-inning simulated game in Florida, so he's going to be expected to come up at Toledo at some either this weekend or early next week. And Chris Fetter is going to rejoin the team as soon as this weekend in Cleveland. So that's some good news on that front. But the the, the one thing, another takeaway I've taken from the series is Matthew Boyd. And, and you, I'll start with you in terms of it was all zeros and everything, but is there, is there anything that like, I thought the star was encouraging the, the swings and misses, but it just seems like there's the hard hit ball contact. still was kind of, I mean, one barrel, which is one progress, barrel. one yeah. barrel, that's it. One barrel. But was there anything else that kind of maybe concerned you at all or anything, or are we, are we not picking too much? Well, I, I saw that the one, only one barrel surprised me, and that jumped out at me a little bit. Um, when I was looking at some stuff last night, I noticed his, his fastball usage rate is way down. Um, it's only two starts, so obviously we're putting a grain of salt on all this and see how it all plays out over a month or so here. But, um, you know, he's throwing a fastball something like 22% less than last year, uh, which is – Pretty significant. No, excuse me, twelve percent less. My fault. Um, but anyway, um, still that's a lot. Uh, so, uh, you know, is, is he going to be working on uh, more of a changeup? Get rid of that slider a little bit that I thought was getting pounded a lot last year. Um, I, I'm just interested to see as this progresses, uh, is he becoming more and more of a soft tosser than he even you know before? Uh, if you emphasize that fastball, yeah, I mean, even uh, his changeup, like he threw his quite of his his changeup look really good too. And I, I don't know, like I, I don't want to again. I'm not trying to poo-poo his start or anything, but it was just it was kind of a one of those things where you're looking at it and it's just progress. And I know there's some people who are kind of nitpicking a little bit, but I, honestly, for what it's worth, Chris, was there anything that you noticed that kind of maybe stood out to you before we move on? Well, I mean, just he threw a ton of strikes. That was nice to see, and he got the strikeouts. It looked more like the the sort of that two month Matthew Boyd from a couple of years ago, where he didn't, you know, he, he walked too, too many guys in the opening day. I mean, he pitched well, but uh, and it was what thirty degrees, so I don't blame him. But yeah, him throwing strikes and not getting hit hard; those are two very good things. Because it seemed like too often when he threw strikes, he did get hard. Now I think. That you know the rough inning he had there, which was what the seventh or the sixth, I don't remember. But um, yeah, him. It's, I think he laid up a couple sliders on a tee. I think that's what got hit several times, and uh, which is a bummer. But uh, yeah, I mean, I think overall it was a it was an encouraging start. I was looking up just to see how often, like, if your starter goes seven innings and gives up three runs, how often you win, and it's like fifty fifty. For whatever reason, wow. that's like wow. that is like the dead even point for for starting performance. So, it, you know, I mean, I'll take that. If your starter gives you a 50, 50 chance of winning, I think that's better than nothing. Absolutely. I was going to look it up. I didn't get a chance to look it up, uh, but I was wondering when the last time was he went two straight starts out allowing a home run. I bet it's been. Oh. <laughs> that is a good point. I could look that up right now if you want. Yeah, while you uh, get that up, we'll look at some of the. I was trying to think about that. That's that has to go back to like maybe 2018, 2017. I'm gonna, I'm, gonna, I'll, I'll take a guess and uh, guess that. But uh, so it is now time. It's time for Rahelio and Chris to go inside the numbers. Fire. All right, so Youper, what is your inside the number for this week? Well, you did write it down. Um, the number was, and when it comes to Boyd, it was 51% fastball last year. Right now, he's at 39%. So that's where I was getting. It's a that's over a 20% drop. So that's a pretty big number to me. Um, that's uh, even though it's only two starts, that's a significant change. So, you know, is that Chris Fetter? Is that something Boyd has decided, or is it just how it's shaken out so far based on the matchups? Um, but I'm I'm really interested to see if Boyd can bring back some of the magic that he had when he had the big strikeout year. Uh, and then he looked like a, um, someone who was very marketable. And the only other number I had was outside of pro baseball. I was going to look at the meaninglessness of high school stats. <laughs> <laughs> I saw um, Callis, Jim Callis, who I love, by the way, he's fantastic. Um, 
podcast uh, or podcast uh, guest before. He mentioned, I think, that Jordan Lawler had struck out 16 times in 91 at bats or something. And that was a little high. But now I looked it up today, he still has 16 strikeouts and he's up to 100 and I think 106 or 108 plate appearances. So all of a sudden, now that doesn't look so bad. So um, it's more about the player and the skills and not so much the numbers because, you know, you're talking about high school kids and some fluctuation there. That's a good number to have there. Uh, yeah, I know, I know that, I know that uh, Harris was a little bit concerned about that, Harris Romer. Um, no, that's curious. You, I, I don't know you know, who the best players you've ever umpired for or, or you know, guys who've gone on to D1 or, or drafted or whatever. But I, I'm curious if your insight. Uh, well, know, what what might lead a top uh, prep player to have a strike, like a run of strikeouts? Well, certainly it could be the umpire. I mean, uh, our strike zones, I'll be honest, they tend to be bigger on the amateur level. So it could be the umpire you run into. Um other than that, uh, not too much. I, 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 the guy who was drafted by the Orioles last year, uh, Carter Baumler. Oh, okay. Yeah, from Iowa. Yeah, yeah. I was on the field with him. He didn't pitch, uh, but he, I think he was playing third base, and he had a great approach. And he, you can just tell when some of these guys come into, into the box, it's a man among boys, you know. Uh, they're just – they have a confidence about them probably based on the, the success they've had in travel ball and, and, and working their way up through the high school level. Um, they tend to be bigger they just, you know, bigger and stronger kids. Uh, and you can just see that the pitchers get real tentative. So uh, they don't want to attack them at all. Uh, you know, so I think sometimes maybe some of those strikeouts get, come from, you know, the batters getting a little bit antsy, not getting anything to hit. Mm-hmm. That could be a lot of it. Yeah, that makes sense to me. But no, that's that's, that's a good point because I, I, I tend not to get. I mean, obviously, you don't want a, a high schooler who's you know putting up body strikeout numbers, whatever. But I tend not to get worried about it because I assume the scouts are all there watching anyway, and they know what ha- what's happening. And if if suddenly his approach got worse, mm-hmm. then they'll reflect that. So maybe I don't. know, Maybe we'll see. But I'm not too worried yourself. Oh, by the way, yeah, the, the last time Matthew Boyd went back-to-back starts without a home run was the final two starts of that great run of 2019. So, oh, wow. All right. May, May 23rd against Miami and May 25th against Baltimore. And then after that, uh, everything fell apart. Miami and Baltimore, two powerhouses as well. Yes, absolutely. Back then. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Chris, what's uh, what's your inside the number? Uh, so I was going to do something with Badu and Exit Velocity and so forth, but that seemed too much on brand for me. So I went with 223 which is the drop in spin rate on Derek Skubal's four-seam fastball this year. Uh, it averaged 24-22 last year, which is about 115 uh, RPMs above average, but it was 21.99 in his first start, or about 120 RPM below average. Um, now, there could be a ton of things going on here. You know, it's the first start of the year. Uh, Hawkeye might have been poorly calibrated. Uh, who knows? Maybe Skubal didn't quite have the feel going on. Maybe he's changed something in his delivery. He seemed to get a lot of weak pop-ups rather than he's a fly ball pitcher, but the, the pop-ups were kind of weak. They weren't deep fly balls like we saw some last year. Uh, maybe it's the new ball. You know, they, they they changed the ball a little bit to suppress home runs. I don't know. We don't have any data on that. It seems like the velocities are up, but the distances are down, which I think is what they wanted. Um, or... Maybe Tarek Skubal is one of the guys who uses the sticky stuff. And now that they will be supposedly cracking down on that, he can't use it. Although I thought the idea was that they were going to monitor people who had sudden changes in RPS. So if he didn't want to use it anymore, then you know, maybe he's telling on himself. But I don't know. I think just with one game, it's it's too early to say anything. But I think it's something to monitor. He did uh, he did get a 28% strikeout rate in his four-seamer last year. And it was down to 21%. Or whatever, I can say down to 21%. In his first game, but again, one game can't really read too much into it. Is spin rate cold, uh, lower in cold weather? They get lost to a grip. That, that's you know I, that would make sense. I looked; it was sixty degrees in his start. You know, he he was the third start, so it wasn't one of the first early ones. But it could that could be true. Uh, I would think you know a lot of it has to do with the grip for sure. So mm-hmm. up to say. Yeah, but the, the sticky stuff. I know that uh, Trevor Bauer is getting investigated. Yeah. Of course, well, it, has nothing, it, it has nothing to do with his agent whatsoever. No, not, you know, none of that. 
were you gonna say Chris? I'm sorry. Oh, nothing. Yeah, they they took the ball out. People didn't see that. They they took the ball out of play afterward. That's a look at. I don't know exactly what they're gonna find out. But yeah, I don't know. We'll see about all this. I, you ever catch anybody cheating you? Does that not go on no. at the average level? I, no, I've, I've never seen anybody uh, non loading up a ball or doing anything like that. No, I think we had one kid with an illegal bat once, but it wasn't because he was being. Oh. They, they just bought the wrong bat. <laughs> well, that was that was me. I used a in little league. I always used a softball bat because I didn't know any better. <laughs> Neither did my parents. But I just hit these screaming line drives. Not nothing deep. I had no barrel. <laughs> nice. <laughs> that uh, what should we call it? The 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 Tennessee thumper, one of those old school yeah. bats. But, <laughs> so uh, my inside number is there's a couple. There's it's one fourteen point one. And in the other number is that is 95.9. And that's the exit velocity and max exit velocity of one Brian Buxton, who looks, I mean, he looks like he worked out. And then you come to find out he was doing two day workouts, six days a week. And it's just in the three homers he's had off three different pitch types, which is Eric Yardley slider, Corbin Burns, Cutter, who Burns looks really good for Milwaukee. And that fastball off 450 foot one bomb off of Jose Sanero the other night. And he just, this is a guy who you and I have talked about this before, Chris, this is a guy I really like. You like them a lot. I know he's on your fantasy team, but if you can get going, it just makes Minnesota's lineup even more dangerous, but just like his Homer, the other, the one against Milwaukee ended that no hitter. So I don't know, like it, it to me, just seeing those kind of like the have him and Nelson Cruz in the same lineup with that kind of power. Um, they're on top of the home run leaderboard, and he, he's already slugging at six a six sixteen slugging percentage. So yeah, like a, a fully weaponized Byron Buxton is terrifying because you, you remember last year he he beat the Tigers with an it, like an infield ground ball to shortstop. It wasn't like a weekly hit ball or topped. He just hit a ground ball, a shortstop, and beat it to first. He's he's one of the fastest players in baseball. He's one of the best defenders in baseball. If he hits, it hits for power. Uh, it stays healthy. I mean, that's always been the big thing with him is if he can stay healthy. I mean, that's he's an MVP level talent. It's like Eric Davidson is prime, and uh, it's it's super fun to see. Kind of wish you weren't on the Twins, but uh, I, I mean, I guess Tigers aren't really going to contend this year anyway. So it might be, you know be fun to watch him, and then maybe he'll leave. Minnesota and go somewhere else. But uh, yeah, he's off to an awesome start. Yeah, another home run tonight. He went through for five against Seattle in the 11. I think they won 11 to two. And, the, and they just bombarded Seattle. By the way, he is from Apollonia <laughs> County, Georgia, high school in Georgia. Georgia. So yeah. Georgia's just continuing to produce talent. Erica, or Erica, Akil Badu is from there and also is Nico Goodrum. So Minnesota knows something about apparently Georgia. <laughs> Uh, down th- down there, I don't think it's outcast country, unfortunately. So, <laughs> but uh, no, yeah, and it again, he's just one of those players too. When you you wish you were kind of like, man, wish we had one, if we had Brian Buxton like that. That's just well, I mean, he he got the he was considered, I think, the top talent in that draft. He got the highest bonus, but Houston went with Correa ahead of him uh, because they were able to you know work out a deal yep. and that worked out pretty well for them. But yeah, he's always had this talent. It's just. Uh, Injuries and, and ineffectiveness, uh, struggles with strikeouts and stuff caused him. But yeah, like I guess if he's hitting and confident, look out. Yeah, it was 10 2, 10 2 victory against uh, Seattle. And I was 11 2, it was the 10 2. So I just want to get that cleared up. But so yeah, so we move on. And it's it, there is a, a theme that I'm among baseball right now with the some of the, the early controversy, like we talked about Trevor Bauer moving the, moving the ball to take a look at it too. Uh, the other thing I wanted to get to today before we get to the, the good, bad, and ugly is the uh, is something that I noticed uh, in terms of pitching performances. Uh, something even I thought there would be more of a, a some of the more offensive blowouts that we've seen, like Oakland just getting lit up by LA or Houston and then uh, LA a little bit. But uh, teams that weren't really, was there any surprises you guys have seen so far in the first week of the season that surprised you? At all, any teams that are kind of like Baltimore, for example, was four and three, but they didn't outscore only but run differential only by two. But is there any other teams that stand out to you guys? Well, the Braves got off to a slow start, and I, I love the Braves' talent, and I'm sure they'll be fine. 
Um, but, you know, I didn't expect them to be, I think they were on four at one point. Um, and then the Rays, you know, they've been kind of looking a little dodgy, not great, not terrible. Um, but they like a, a pennant winner right now. So, um, we'll see how that shakes out. Well, yeah, you mentioned, you mentioned the A's. I mean, they got off to a brutal start. Were they one and five, one and six, something like that? Yeah. So, I mean, it's funny. We talk about the A's and the Rays that they're perennially like bottom of the, the, league and salary and they'll probably still figure out a way to win 90 games somehow <laughs> i don't know no but way. uh yeah i mean it's a it's been it's been a rough start for them but you know suddenly you have a week where you go five and two and you're above 500 again it's so early that's tough I, I haven't you know dove into or dived into i guess the standings and stuff like that too much at this point yeah let's 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 go on the good and bad and the ugly well, I just uh, was messing around with uh, some Fangraph stuff real quick, and I noticed that. So yeah, Byron Buxton does have the highest isolated power in baseball right now. It's seven eighty nine. Wow. Uh, number two, Akil Badu, seven twenty seven. Oh, the Twins system there coming through. Yeah. I mean, well, number and number yeah. four is Nick Castellanos, ninety six. Oh man, <laughs> the Tiger system coming through. <laughs> oh boy. All right. So it's time for the good, the bad, the ugly. Youper, what is your the good and bad and ugly this week? Well, the good. Could be the bad if you're a White Sox fan. The White Sox have so much talent, what I'm about to say may not matter. Okay, they, they, that's pretty scary lineup they have over there. But I was interested that so far, you know, there's been a lot of, um, you, know, acrim- you know, not the most positive reviews of Tony La Russa so far, shall we say. Um, and what they're doing with Andrew Vaughn really surprised me. Eight games so far, he's had three starts. He's played nine innings once. So I'm not sure what they're doing with him other than the fact that if he wasn't on the team, he'd be sitting around for a month at their alternate site. So I suppose whatever he plays in the majors is bonus, but you know, you got a talent like that and you're starting him three times in eight games. I don't quite understand uh, what you're trying to do developmentally with him, but you know, I've never thought this LaRusa thing was going to work. So I like seeing little clues that, there might be some issues. There were some bullpen issues that they've had. Um, people are kind of complaining about that. So I'm going to call that a good, even though it's a little bit ugly, because it's good for us. It's good for Tiger fans. <laughs> um, bad? I'm still amazed that Porcello and Green, uh, Shane Green and Rick Porcello, don't have gigs. Uh, I, I don't understand that. And it doesn't have to be with the Tigers. Uh, and maybe they're just waiting for the right thing to cross their path. But you know, just to, to me, the Tigers know these guys. They have talent, especially Shane Green. He'd be there, you know, he'd be their second best reliever, probably, maybe their best reliever. Uh, if you're serious about winning some ball games, why you're letting them on the street, I don't quite understand. Um, to me, that's that, that's kind of the bad one to me. Um, and uh, ugly. I thought Nick Castellanos getting a two-game suspension was silly for the, for just getting up and flexing. Uh, you're going to miss two games for that, you know. And the white, you know, the Cardinals got a little ticked off about it. You know, you know, Molina's always going to, you know, he's going to be the the tough leader of the bunch. You know, he's going to get in there and uh, try to mix it up a little bit. But I just thought MLB overreacted on Castellanos on that one. He didn't throw a punch. You know, he didn't do anything wrong other than he flexed. So. That was kind of ugly to me. Yeah, that made absolutely no sense to me. Like, what is your, you're suspended for flexing and celebrating and, and like, yeah, yeah, I, I don't get it. Unless he, yeah, I mean, I assume he's, he's appealing that. Obviously he had a home run today, I think, or the other day. So he's appealing it and I'd probably get dropped to one game, but still even one game, it seems like, you know, give him, if you don't like it, give him a small fine and give it to charity, whatever, to, to the anti-flexing league. <laughs> unless there was some verbal said that we didn't hear yeah i mean i guess there's always that but still i don't think there was though it didn't really look like it he, he seemed pretty composed afterwards during the you know, during the whole melee i just i you know i think of i often am reminded of the nba when we were growing up it's some of the stuff that would go on in the nba that didn't like didn't get a technical or anything there's a there's that great shack dunk on chris dudley i think it is where 
he just dunked on his face and then shoved him down. And everybody's oh, like, yeah, Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that happens. That's going to happen sometimes. <laughs> and like, I remember John Kemp doing that a couple times. Robert Parrish punched Lambeer a couple times. And he didn't even get a technical. Oh, yeah, yeah. It was I tossed. You know, well, I, mean, I think I think it's because the refs, everybody like, yeah, no, I understand. I get it. Sometimes you got to punch my <laughs> beer. Oh, but, man. <laughs> that's why I hit it. That's why he had this really sweet uh, NES game, Super Nintendo game. Oh, combat baseball, basketball. Yeah, yeah, yeah. combat basketball. Oh, no, I mean, like, I, I don't want to be like, uh, you know, back in my day or the guy, the hockey fan who's the pines for the days of the goons out there fighting. But it's just like, I want the players to have personalities and have fun. And yeah. it's, if that means flexing and, and causing trouble, I, I don't know. I, it's fine with me. But, yeah, so that is ugly. I agree. All right, Chris, what's your good and bad ugly this week? All right, so my good is Sandy Alcantara of the Marlins. Nice. I believe that's how he pronounces it. Uh, so, I, you know, I remember first hearing about him like six to seven years ago when he was in the Gulf Coast League because he was throwing 100 back then. And it was him and it was, I think, Reyes and maybe somebody else. I had these guys who were throwing the hell out of the ball. And then he just kind of muddled his way through the minors for several years. Like he never posted an ERA under three two, and that's still pretty good. But he was never like dominant in the minors. He came into the the Cardinals in 2017 as a 21 year old, mm-hmm. and I think they were using him as as a reliever then, just kind of getting his feet wet. And then he's part of the the trade for I believe it was Ozuna. I think that was the deal that uh, sent him to Miami. Yeah. And he, he came to the majors and was a starter, and it just looked like okay, you know, he's one of those guys who throws hard, but isn't going to strike people out. It's like, you know, like a six strikeout, seven strikeout for nine, kind of like a sinker. Just, uh, we've seen those guys before. We think of like a Kyle Farnsworth or somebody. I, I can't think of a, a starter at the moment who throws hard and who doesn't get strikeouts, but it's the idea. And uh, yeah, then it started to change a little bit last year. And this year he is uh, still just 25 and he's 0-1, but in two starts, he's thrown 12 innings, given up just six hits, two earned runs, Three unintentional walks and he has 17 strikeouts. And his average fastball is uh, fifth hardest in baseball right now. 97.4 miles per hour is his average fastball. Ooh. And it's got a whiff rate of over 30 if you combine his sinker and his four-seamer. And his slider has a whiff rate over 30. But the big step up so far this year looks like his changeup, which was, uh, in terms of usage, it was his fourth most used pitch last year, only about 10%. But so far through two starts, he's thrown at 22% of the time. And it has a 50% whiff rate. So if that pitch uh, comes for him, look out. Uh, and maybe this is the Marlins franchise that won't trade him. I don't know. If they do, then maybe the Tigers can go get him in a couple <laughs> years. But, yeah, I mean, he's been good so far. So uh, my bad is Keston Hira, who we, we talked about in, with uh, Dave Gasper a couple shows ago. He, the uh, you know former second baseman for Milwaukee. He had an okay spring. He hit two or three with three homers, but he also struck out 17 times and walked just three times in 46 at bats. So you're talking, you know, basically like a 34% strikeout rate. And he's off to a brutal start this year. He's got, he got the other day off because it was so bad and he got his first hit today. So good for him, but he's still just one for 23 with zero walks and 11 strikeouts. Wow. Um, and it's just kind of hard to figure because he was the consensus top college bat in the 2017 draft. I mean, he didn't go, he wasn't the first college bat to go, but he got picked ninth overall despite not playing defense the entire year. People were like, yeah, he can hit. Uh, and he flew through the minors. And hit 17 with a, a 928 OPS and 76 runs on 20 minor league games. And then in the 2019, he came up and hit pros too in the majors. 303, 19 homers, and nine steals somehow. That wasn't part of the game usually. but And that was just an 84 game. So it looked like, all right, this is legit. Uh, now he did strike out. At a 30% clip, and his BABIP was over 400. We knew there was going to be some progression, but last year was just brutal for him. He hit 212, K rate rose to 34%, isolated power dropped from 268 to 198. I mean, 198 is still fine, but when you're hitting 212, you, you really do have to bump that up. Yeah. And like I said, to a certain extent, all this is natural. We expect the league to adjust to him and him to figure things uh, out late, uh, later, but he's also being asked to learn first base now because he was not a great second base defender. And you know, this is just not the, the the kind of start you'd like to see if you're in Milwaukee from your top young hitter. You you want you you want him to get some confidence while he's dealing with a, a position switch, and you never know. I mean, he's got the talent. I think he'll turn around, but sometimes the mental side of the game can really get you, and it's been rough on him. I think. And my ugly, we we kind of touched on this briefly. Uh, is Marco Gonzalez of the Mariners? 
who was actually their opening day starter. He's the one who got roughed up today by the time. So on, on opening day, it was that wild game against the Giants that I mentioned on the last show. Yeah. Uh, six yeah. inning pitch, eight hits, five runs, three home runs, three walks. Like a, not, not great from an opening day starter. Uh, and then tonight against the Twins, four and a third, nine hits, seven earned runs, two more home runs, two walks, six strikeouts. So he did get some strikeouts, but jeez. Uh, so that's uh, 10 and a third innings. He's going up 17 hits, five home runs already. Yeah, yeah. so that's uh, it, that's ugly for sure. It's good for a two, 1045 ERA. But if you want to be an optimist, uh, his FIP is just 9.73. <laughs> so that's my other. Still be a, he'd be good for the 96 Tigers. <laughs> yeah. You know what's is amazing is, is when you look at, uh, you know, baseball reference, you can look at every season of Tigers baseball and see the top offenses of all time, you know, the runs scored and the runs allowed. And I was looking because when I was doing one of the history things, and, and I think five or six of the top runs scored, scoring offenses of all time were there from like 25 to 35, just when, you know, the ball was flying everywhere. Sure. It, and then you could check the worst runs allowed. And there's like, you know, two teams above 900 and then 96, which was like 1100. It's got to be one of the worst pitching stats of all time. I think it's, I think it, um, in terms of MLB history, it's one of the top five worst stats yeah. of all time. Something like it's that. Just, it's ridiculous. Yeah, it's ridiculous. So my good and bad and ugly this week is Brewers related to a certain extent. So a good majority oh. of it is Brewers related. So Hope I didn't steal that. Oh, no, 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 you did not. You did not because right. the good is Corbin Burns. And I'm Corbin Burns, him. yeah, he's he has been laying it up in terms of uh, his numbers right now. In two starts, even a tough luck, tough luck, tough luck loss to the Cardinals today. Twelve innings, twelve or twenty strikeouts, but it's his exit <laughs> exit uh, batting average XBA point nine six. His K rate, which is, I mean, of course, is I love early numbers for this. But this kind of goes back a little bit, even last year, a little bit. He had a K rate of 36% last year. Right now, he's off to a 52% K rate right now. <laughs> and also just, you know, he so far, well, it looks like he's increased his cutter usage. His cutter is about, he's throwing it 48% of the time. He hasn't thrown his uh, sinker as much or would be maybe possibly his four-seamer. But his sinker is... uh up to 98 so far in four, the 15 times he's thrown it. But his cutter, the spin rate on that is 2,800, almost 2,900 at 2,896. And that's been his put-away pitch at 44% of the time. And that thing, Pitching Ninja featured earlier, is sick. And he's among the, in terms of just K rates, whiff rates, 92%. He's doing it all. And Again, you saw today that in a tough loss to the Cardinals, six six innings, one hit, nine strikeouts, no walks. But he also, I mean, he had three hit hard hit balls. But my bad is the Brewers' offense, and the Brewers' offense has been able to just thirty so far in, in really early on. They have six home runs, so you can you know okay, that's cool. But they have a K rate of thirty two percent. Their uh, ISO power is not what it expected to be. And their WRC plus as a collective team is 47. Jeez. So, yeah, that's, that's, <laughs> yeah. that's not great. Yeah. yeah. Their, uh, their negative uh, war in terms of right now, offensive war, 14.7. So it's kind of going to be according to fan graphs. And one of the parts of the good that I could have mentioned too is the rest of the Brewers stat. I mean, outside of that, it's it's basically Burns and Woodruff that are carrying the team right now, but they just are there offensively speaking, have not been there's nothing home to write about. And the ugly surprise when you want a team like the Marlins and you lose today because some guy decided to lean in. Mm-hmm. That that call right there today, uh, you make the call. Uh, that was that was a bad call. I was going to go with the Tigers. I was debating about this for a while, but when I saw that call today, I was like, nope. You know, Uper, have you ever seen anything like it in your time umping a oh, game yeah. and like that? Like like that really? Like take the elbow or? Oh, yeah. When I, you know, the first thing I looked at when I saw that pitch, the action, the second time I watched it, I wanted to see what it was. It was an 84 mile an hour pitch. So it's not like it's something that, you know, it's a, it was a 98 mile an hour fastball and, it was, and things are happening so fast that you can see how it was missed. And here's the thing, as an umpire, 
we're not supposed to rip on other umpires, but so what? I mean, he missed the call. Mm -hmm. He admitted he missed the call. So I guess we can talk about that. Right After the game, uh, Culpa said he missed it. Um, I was stunned that he, you know, he was going to call that pitch a strike and he flubbed the rule um, that, you know, since it was going to be a strike, that's a strike. I mean, it's not a hit by pitch because the, the thing that people don't understand the way the rules written, you don't have a right to first base just because you get hit by the pitch. Okay. That's still an umpire decision. Um, so uh, yeah, he definitely leaned in. There's no question. He, he kind of changed his arm angle. And we had a local high school here who had uh, a team full of kids who did that. And it was maddening. Um, and so me and my partner, we both uh, denied first base to kids a couple times. Uh, I also had another kid. You, you could see he manip a big looping curveball was coming in. He, he manipulated his helmet in front of it. You know, and I, I waved it off and the coach went berserk on me, but I was like, no way. I mean, you stuck your helmet over the plate <laughs> and took it, <laughs> you know? So it does happen. Um, I thought that one, and I think everybody pretty much agrees. It was a really bad miss. And for the umpire to come out after the game and say, yeah, I, I blew it. It's pretty bad. Uh, my interesting thoughts on that are what happens, you know, with Conforto. You know, what is his reputation? You know, is that considered good gamesmanship because they, they won? Or is it a kind of a kind of a low rent kind of a move to, to, to get hit on purpose like that? I don't know. Well, how, you know, the, the unwritten rules are going to treat him on that. Um, but, yeah, it was a bad miss by Culpa. No question about it. Yeah, and I have the, you know, and one of the things I wanted to pull up too, and I thought this was – I thought it was fitting because the one thing about announcers in, in across the city, depending on where you're at, there's certain, there's certain broadcast booths that I think you, and I think in Detroit safe to say would not happen. Uh, but the the fact is that like, as much as I, I love Ron Darling, I think Ron Darling's a very underestimated, underestimated, underrated, at least in my opinion around here. I think he's one of the best uh, out there. And it was one of those moments too, where you hear, when you hear it happen, you're just like thinking to yourself, like that's a mess. That's broadcasting booth. And they were not happy the way they won. And I, it just, it was one of those things where I was just, I was kind of stunned. I was like, wow, you know, and I'm trying to find the audio right now, but as I do, have you guys seen that before where they, they kind of turn like they, their objective. I mean, you guys think of any objective booths across the league? I remember way back when the Atlanta Braves announcers, when Pasquale Perez was always hitting people, he would, they, they would sometimes get on him about that's that was not necessary. That's about the only thing I can come close to it. No, I mean, I've heard Jim Price uh, criticize uh, players in the Tigers. It, it, nothing like specific uh, stands out, but there's been certain times where he, he would say, like, no, you can't do that. That's wrong. But, uh, yeah, I... I I don't know. It would be interesting to see. I, I would imagine Conforto will actually get a fastball in the hip just for fun. Oh, you're like getting hit. Here you go. <laughs> I don't I don't know what else is going to come with that. Though. I, I mean, I think as a fan of the Mets, you go, yeah, great. We won. I don't care. But uh, yeah, it's at the various clubhouses. I don't know what the, the opinion is. I think the, the thing that had a lot of people, including Darling and the announcers there, everybody had at least some level of surprise that that was not reviewable. Yeah, that is kind of curious to me. I, I know in college, they added that rule a while back where the, the ump can call you out, right? Yeah, exactly. Or call a strike. Exactly. The umpire can make it a strike, even if it's not a strike, if they think that you've uh, intentionally gotten hit. Yeah. And um, so it's, it's almost the exact opposite of what just happened today in, in the majors, uh, the controversy that they have over there. Um, so, but they, I guess what they're saying in MLB is you can't judge the intent on replay, you know, mm -hmm. which, sorry, we kind of can't. He stuck, he changed, he changed the level of his arm and stuck his elbow in there. I mean, yeah, it was as obvious as it's going to get, but that's the rule. And I think I've surprised a lot of people. Yeah, here's the here's the audio. On a, I don't know, on a re review, Here but the go. umpire can call that. What are they calling it? 
What are they they're, saying? They're saying the play stands. Game's over. The Mets win it. Wow. Wow. That's Michael Conforto. <laughs> trying clearly to... stuck his elbow into and Mattingly is coming out and arguing. But I'm sure he's going to be told that that's not reviewable. But you're trying to get it right. They don't get it right. So why even have replay? So Michael Conforto. There he is. Right there. Yeah, yeah that's nice. I mean, you, you like to. You like to see that from home announcers, any announcers, really. But I, I, I'm just speechless that, you know, Culpa blew the rule. I mean, those guys, I guarantee you, to a man, probably scored 99% on every rules test, you know, or better. And, uh, you know, they live and breathe this stuff. It's their career. And for him to know that that was a strike and that, you know, the hit-by-pitch is not for, you know, an award of first base to choke on that one was really hard to believe because, you know, again, come back to the amateur level. I'm, I'm doing four games this weekend. I'm going to miss a call, probably more than one. And if something crazy happens, I might get a rule wrong, but you know, it's a bunch of kids. They go home and have ice cream afterwards. So what, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but you know, at this level um, to have a fairly mundane rule like that, that again not call often because how often is a strike hit a batter but still it's pretty plain as day in the rule book that if it's a strike it doesn't matter if it hits them hard to believe yeah yeah crazy way to end the game and in terms of even how close the al east will be this year between the mets i think the marlins you can put them in the half for contention with them in atlanta yeah. You know, with the Nationals starting off in a strange way that their season started, the AL is just every game is going to matter in the AL East, at least in my opinion. Um, yeah, so the, the, the Mets and the, the Phillies are off to a great start. That Dombrowski magic. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, like you said, the Nationals, we didn't even talk about that. They had, what, 16 players hit the COVID IL? Yeah. Something crazy yeah. like that, 11. Like, yeah, that's that's nuts, man. Yeah, I mean, you have Jonathan Lucroy, Andrew Stevenson, who are, are part of that whole uh, come in for how shorthanded they are. And then you see, you know, Strasburg going out there and throwing, you know, 8Ks, and that, they, they definitely needed that. But it's just one of those things where, yeah, it, it, we finally see COVID kind of weird its ugly head a little bit. So, um, yeah, that's, that's the nightmare scenario. We, we've still, you know, every team seems to have had one or two issues the Tigers have of course but yeah the nightmare scenario is just the outbreak within the clubhouse and Alex Avila's gone I think both of their starting catchers were gone right isn't that yeah. why Luke Roy was there yeah. yeah some guy by the well, name yeah the, the their number 19 prospect uh according to MLB pipeline Trace uh Barra who caught the start on Wednesday for Strasburg and then they also have another guy who came up on um uh, their farm system Cody Wilson and a uh, left-hander by the name of Sam Clay dude <laughs> Yeah, so it was a bunch of uh, – they had to really go to the farm system to really kind of uh, make an impact. So, but yeah, it's, it's going to be a good division to watch. I mean, outside of the NL West, which I think is going to be another entertainment, even with the, the Rockies for all their struggles are going to be a flame – or they're going to be a train wreck waiting to happen and watch. And so <laughs> the only team I have no interest in whatsoever is the Diamondbacks. Yeah, the Diamondbacks. You know, my, my in-laws live out in Arizona. They're they're Diamondbacks fans, and I usually go to a game every couple of years. Um, so I do follow them a little, just just to you know, because my my family does. But they're they're a hard watch. <laughs> There's not a whole lot to get excited about in that organization. No. Oh. So and then we have some questions this week, correct, correct Chris? Well, I, I saw two questions. I don't know. One of them was, when does Badu get his statue? Which is uh, you know fun, but. Uh... Clearly not serious. Uh, the other one I saw from from Nick Spillane was uh, he said, "Is Michael Fulmer's recent success more valuable staying in the bullpen or progressing back into the rotation?" Which is a good question, and I'm yeah. curious what you guys think. Probably my answer to that is yes. <laughs> I think you just let him out in the bullpen, um, make him a two and three inning weapon if possible, and as needs pop up. Uh, you know, and if he continues to look good, then yeah, you just kind of get him back into starting. I, I don't think it matters too much right now. Um, I think it's just a matter of finding some success for him and keeping him healthy and let the bullpen or starter situation work itself out naturally. I, I'm, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. I'm fine. 
I was just going to say, I'm kind of with you, Uber. I, I think, look, if I think that right now, if the Tigers, if you look at their situation right now in the bullpen, just from a right-hander standpoint, all you have right now is Jose Cisnero as an effective right-hander, then I think you leave Fulmer in there. I mean, if I think the rotation, Arena, at some point, I think if if you're going to put him up, here's my, my prediction. I think if Arena struggles again, then you you flop, you switch him out. Personally, I mean, I, I think just, and I was down in Toledo today watching Logan Shore pitch, and I, I think it's going to take some time before Matt Manning gets his, uh, you know, everything together. Tigers don't really have many options down in Toledo that are ready to go. Uh, it could be the case where you might see Manning ready to go a couple starts, probably maybe in June, perhaps. But after that, the rotation depth kind of just falls off the table because we still don't know what's going on with Franklin Perez, whether the velocity drop is legitimate or not. But we saw his former velocity low earlier in spring and then it just turned on all of a sudden it's throwing 95 towards the end of the spring and then 95 during the lead during the season so i i think that if if arena continues to or i, I think like i said i i still can't shake my doubt that arena is a bullpen arm sorry I, I just think that that's what it is and even if he if he is they make that switch out that's when i think that's the only time it's going to happen because then from there, Urena can just air it out. I mean, at that point, if you're going to be a reliever, two-inning reliever, then with that kind of fastball, he doesn't have to swing and miss stuff to stay three or the third time through the order is pretty predictable. But I think with Fulmer, I, I really like him out of the bullpen. I'm not going to lie. I mean, it's just it's the Tigers don't really have another outside of Cisnero. It's just, it, I mean, Norris, is, you're going to push your luck with Norris, and, and Tyler Alexander's look kind of shaky so far. Yeah, I mean – it's either damn if you do damn if you don't really with that in that situation it would be so fun to have a weapon you know let's say down let's speculate down the road let's say you know two years from now the tigers have a contender um if he was a guy who could come down out of the bullpen and get through the order one time uh in the sixth seventh and eighth or something like that you know that's the kind of guy they've never had uh that'd be pretty amazing and he he has the ability if they can just get him healthy and get him on track it's been great to see that velocity up. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. With, with, with When you talk about value, what's more valuable? It, I mean, we've seen how valuable Michael Fulmer, the starter, is. We saw it several years ago, and he was, you know, he was a, a, a legit mid-rotation starter, maybe number two at his best. Uh, and we've seen how bad he was as a starter last year. Too. I mean, it was, for all intents and purposes, he was kind of just a bulk reliever last year, throwing three innings at a time. But yeah, he looks like a completely different guy coming out of the bullpen this year. And I think you just roll with it for as long as it, it keeps working because was it, he's it's three innings, five strikeouts, no walks, gave up a home run. Uh, it was to Nelson Cruz, so I don't count that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and, and, and he looks like it's valuable as hell to have a starter, starting pitcher's arsenal. He, he's got four or five pitches if you, you know, split the four seamer and the sinker and he can go out there and throw them all. And he's throwing strikes and he's throwing well, you know, with intent. And it, yeah, I think for this team, he's probably more valuable in, in the bullpen. And, and to the point with Arena, he actually got like a ton of swings and misses in his start the other day. He just wasn't from strikes at all. And I wish he would throw his change up more. He doesn't, I don't know if he ever will, but He's almost, he's one of those guys. I think to your point, Raj, that he he's not really a strikeout guy, and he, he, it's almost like a. I think somebody, and maybe it was Jed, who pointed out like he's basically a Mike Pelfrey plus ten miles an hour. <laughs> like he's he's better off, or not better off. He probably can only work as a starter because you kind of have to rely on getting traffic on the bases and, and giving up ground balls and, and getting double plays and stuff with him. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think we could see. Turnbull come and replace Arena in the in the rotation, and him move the bullpen, or they go with a six man. But I don't think we're going to see Fulmer back in there just yet. It wouldn't shock me later in the year if we start getting some of those bullpen starts, and Fulmer is the opener, and he goes two, three, four innings or something like that, and then maybe that starts to get him back in the field of starting. But but for now, I think yeah, he looks really good as a reliever, and if I could use that. Yeah, and it really, and that's the thing. That's why reason why I just can't. If I'm gonna be concise right now, it's just what you guys are saying. I'm just gonna leave them in there and let it ride it out from there. Um, so that's the way I look at it. And on the Badu statue, he's at least earned an ice sculpture. 
<laughs> I think we go, I, go for now. We'll yeah. look at statue down the road. <laughs> I statue. But a new uh, shot luge, or what do they used to call those at parties? What are you know, those it was just an ice luge, wasn't it? Or whatever they yeah, the ice they, luge, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, no, it's, but it's fun. It, you know, there's talent there. Would be awfully cool and an amazing story if he comes, you know, ends up being an all-star MVP caliber player down the road. He'd be like, I'll be damned. What a mm -hmm. what a great find. Well, what was JD Martinez, you know? Yeah, so, every just older player. Yeah. It, it does happen. It happens in baseball. It happens a little bit more than we realize. It, it doesn't. It, it it's far more common that guys have starts like this and then fall off the face of the earth, unfortunately. But yeah. there was uh, Jose Bautista going back, Justin Turner, JD Martinez, like you said. Some guys figure things out and, and come from seemingly out of nowhere. It's usually not a guy coming from a ball, but you never know. They, they, people yeah. don't often try this. Maybe it would work more often if, if teams tried it more. Well, you know, I think that's. I'm wondering if there's going to be more. Badus and then uh, the guy, the Mercedes with the White Sox. You know, we, we, we missed a year last year. What mm. would he have done last year? We don't know. You know, uh, would we have seen a step in the right direction? That's what makes this such a big surprise is he was under wraps with the rest of the minor leagues. Um, so, the, you know, the year of maturity, a year of strength, a uh, year of knowledge uh, that he may have gained at whatever their uh, alternate site was, uh, if he was there, wherever he was. So, It'd be interesting if there's more bad news lurking out there this year who are going to take big steps coming out of the minors. Yeah, for sure. I, I, and if it does work out, I, people will start, like, you know, picking his brain for what he did in the year and a half. He missed. I do what did you do? We're going to replicate that. Yeah. Watch, watch a video of Willie Mays and Barry Bonds and Griffey Jr. <laughs> All right. That's your assignment for six months. There was a great article in Fangraphs about the, what his dad was doing, taking the videos and and, mm -hmm. and just kind of like that, the whole story. If, if you get a chance to check it out in Fangraphs, it's a really well done article about kind of how he got here a little bit. And so yeah, it, even in, in the in the big series with the big thing about that series against Minnesota, too, is just in terms of even like just looking as a ball player. That's all you can ask. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's. And I'm not going to do this whole Victor Reyes, even like when, when Jason Beck of tigers.com did the story about him and comparing him to Chris Sheldon. And I, there was the Chris Sheldon thing came up and I'm just thinking to myself, I'm like, man, Sheldon was, when he hit the 10 home runs, that was a year and a half after he was removed from rule five. Yeah. It's I don't get, where that urban, is it an urban legend? Where did that come from? No, no, you know, and the weird thing is Shelton was actually better for longer the year before at the end of 2005. Yeah. He came out in 2006 was awesome. It, it's just, it's one of those memorable things. 2006 was a very memorable year in the start and that, that one game where they hit like 13 home runs off R.A. Dickey before he became good R.A. Dickey. Yeah. Uh, and I, I think it is just, he is kind of the, the cautionary tale for the last 15, 20 years. I would throw Brendan Bosch in that mix too. Brendan oh, Bosch no. had two consecutive first halves of the season that made him look like an all-star and then disappeared the second half. We did. I mean, I wrote that article. What is it? Back in Halloween, the, the tigers who turned into pumpkins. And there, there are a lot of them, but uh, unfortunately we just had to try to try play it even with, with Badu. He's going to struggle. We know that down the road, but he has, he has the tools and seemingly the maturity to, I think, survive that. Yeah, I think so too, and I'm I'm not really worried about it. It's it's like I said, it's, it's a step in the right direction. So that's I mean, if if the Tigers have another a couple players like that, you can you can ask for. So uh, before we get out of here, the baseball card of the weekend, something I I meant, meant to do last week, and I apologize, I meant to get so sidetracked with everything. So uh, there's a lot going on with Badu, and I know our gentlemen, we our listeners. We, I want to make this a regular thing. So if you have a baseball card and you want to talk about a, a certain card, let us know. We'll, I mean, we our Chris, Uper and I are both, all three of us are on camera. So, but I always send a link about the card. I did that last week with the card. Uh, we sent the link to our various cards we had. So my card, I went last week to, when I went to the Tigers game and I got a series of Tigers cards to add to my collection. So my card this week, is a Fleer 1986 Eric King card. Wow. Eric I mean, King. Yeah. I just read that today because he was in the bullpen, right? Yeah. He helped take over after Willie Hernandez. 
exactly. And they had, and it was nice about this card set too is they had a scouting report on the back. Oh, he's nice. got the, he's got the stuff. <laughs> so uh, Eric, yeah, Eric King Fleer number one fifty five, and this is the year after he was called up when the Tigers won the last years. The Tigers were in Nashville as a AAA affiliate. So what? yeah, they were in Na- yeah they were just when they were in Nashville. Um, yeah, in eighty six, eleven and four, hundred thirty eight innings pitched. 79 strikeouts, low strikeout totals. Yeah, yeah, there we go. Pitch to contact. There you go. <laughs> so that is my baseball card of the week. And I know that uh, I'll have to look up the one Christian had, but do you guys have a do you have a card on top of you, Chris? I should have said something to you earlier. And I, I, I didn't, I didn't uh, have one, but I just ran into the back room where I have all my old card boxes, and I just grabbed the first box I saw, and it's 88 tops, which is probably the blandest baseball card you could ever possibly get i just <laughs> opened it up so i've got we've got mike morgan it's yeah that's not you're not gonna be there we go there's a mike morgan next up hall of famer harold baines nice oh and another hall of famer probably bruce bochy the player wow oh wow he doesn't look that like doesn't look that much no, older no. now no exactly he's got it's the jim leland uh, disorder you look like you're 60 when you're 28, and you look like you're 60 when you're 70. Ted Simmons, Juan Berenguer. Juan Berenguer, there we go. Beautiful ah. location, nice. Yeah, Willie Frazier just going through. Terry Pohl, Daryl Miller, Paul Kilgus. Ooh, Tom Treblehorn, the manager. Uh-oh, and there you go. We'll stop here. You can see it. Can you see it? Oh, yeah, that's Tony Gwynn, isn't it? No. Oh, no the Char- oh, Chris Brown. That's right. The other, the other Chris Brown. Brown. Chris Brown. So, anyway, yeah, like I said, I didn't have a special card. I just went and grabbed Jesse Roscoe, Mark McLemore, Steve Henderson. What? There's Rance Mullenix again. Rance Mullenix. Oh, Mullenix. That was a classic name. Mm-hmm. Always comes up. There's another card, the, his card of the week, by the way, that Anderson had that seems very fitting rather is the wave of the future card that he has with Juan Encarnacion. Akil Badu is the wave of the future. So he could be the wave of the future. And who knows, six months from now, we might not even bring up his name, but either way, his card will be, I'll, I'll put the feature. I'll find it up there and uh, I'll, I'll put it in there. Do you have a card? 76 and 77 were really the first couple of years. Like 75, 76, 77 to me, uh, hold a special spot. Those are the years when I was of the age, the right age, where the baseball cards meant everything, and I couldn't wait for them to come out in the spring. And my quick story is I was watching Monday Night Baseball with my dad, uh, John Candelaria. Yes. Pitches a no-hitter on Monday Night Baseball. Oh, wow. age, I had never heard of him, and it's the first time I ever saw a no-hitter on television uh, because there were only, like, two games on per week. Your odds were not good <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> to see a no-hitter. So, um Candelaria pitches that no-hitter. The very next morning, I'm at a place called Pat's Market, little corner store around from my house, buy two packs of baseball cards, open it up, and there's John Candelaria. And I remember just jumping in the air for all I was worth. I was so happy. And it's just one of those little memories that sticks with you forever. So there you go. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. He was he was with the Pirates. Yeah. And then, yeah, yeah. Um, he had like a, I know he had a really weird mustache. I know that like he had like the typical, he kind of, all, all the pirates did. Yeah. He, lo- he, looked like, he looked like a member of the welcome back Cotter. And for whatever reason, he reminded me of, um, but yeah, he was John Candelaria also ended up being a bullpen guy for a while too. Yeah. Um, later, but yeah, he was, um, I know he had a bad back. I know that's what it was. Right. He was in his, uh, the candy dominant. Man. Yeah. The candy man. Yeah. The original candy man. Yep. You guys want to hear a really weird story about Don Sutton was once accused of setting up his teammate for DUI. It's a way to get him out of the starting rotation. What? Wow. Yeah. And the guy he did that for was former Angels pitcher Don Candelaria. Oh, wow. Yeah. So wait, he explain that. He set okay, up a so, DUI. I don't so, understand. Like, yeah, here's, here's, what, here's what happened. April 17th, 1987. He was arrested for DUI after running a stop sign that it was a state off. It was nobody's business but his. So then later on May 14th, 1987, he was arrested again for DUI. He was placed on the disabled list for a short time before returning the rotation 
but was put back on DL in June as the Angels put him in the rehab for more than a month. Candelaria was then traded to the Mets soon after joining the Yankees the following season, at which point he lashed out Don Sutton and accused him of setting him up to get the second DUI. And world. yeah, so in March of 88, he uh, the Chicago Tribune reported that accused Don Sutton of setting him up for the DUIs of getting him on angel rotation, although he said that Sutton had told him this was out of concern. Wow. Ken Lair, who said that he could have dealt with his own problems while rehab, Clayton Sutton had called the police after the Angels team plane arrived back in California from Detroit following a road trip that finished up against the Tigers. And this is what he said about Sutton. Quote, he later told me he was out of concern for my well-being, but I think he acted out of self-preservation. He was pitching terrible at the time, seeing the brink of release and looked for a way to get me out of the rotation. Wow. That's crazy. That is nuts. Yeah. Not- Sutton had the best 70s, early 80s hair <laughs> of any dude. Yeah, that curly hair. And then unbelievable. It was and then the last quote of it, quote, if I mean if he was acting out of concern, why did he never come to call me when I was on the disabled list? Why did he come to see me when I was traded? We only live a quarter mile apart. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. There you go. that's wild. Yeah. There's your John Canelario story. Yeah, I, didn't how, how, I didn't realize how good he was in the, that 77 season. Holy cow. Yeah. Seven, seven and a half war. That led information. The, that information. The oh, he led the league. Wow. I did not realize it was that good. The By the way, I sent the link over. It's just, uh, I'll, I'll put the link in the description. Sportscasting.com is where I found that story. So nice. there you go. But, uh, we're out of time. Thank you so much for listening to unless we're do we missing a question or we got everything. That's all I saw, unless there was another question somewhere else. All right. So thank you for much for listening to Tigers SRD. So come Sunday night, come Monday, we'll be doing a recap of the weekend series in Cleveland. Tigers head there. After that, they'll go to Houston. And from there, they go to Oakland. So they'll take on the A's. And, and this is going to be an interesting road trip. But we'll get some night games. We get our first night game tomorrow. Thank God. Yes. Um, I'm ex- I'm so stoked. And you know what? I'll tell you the truth. Like I sold the the, the tickets I had this week because they're all day games and with work I couldn't do. It was virtually impossible to do it all. And I sold my tickets one. But my first pair of tickets, by the way, I sold within ten minutes. Ooh. Nice. And then um, the second pair was pretty quickly too. So. Um. But yeah, the they come back on the twentieth for the pirate series, and so. But yeah, thanks so much for listening. We'll appreciate it. And of course, as always, get off our show.